0: Now we have talk to roomworms, for all those who would like to send their kids to our worms program. That is a children's church ministry for kids up through second grade. In case you don't know what that is, now you do. Uh, if you have anyone who fits that description, so we send around on there. This is Julie. They will be well taken care of. Parents, we always encourage you if you would like to keep your kids in here with you. Please feel free to do so. Uh, we love the sound of kids in our auditorium. Uh, there is a practice room in the back, but that's something you want to take advantage of. I said, we just love the sound of kiddos in here. So it's good to see everybody this morning. And uh, this is kind of off script uh, topic a little bit, but um, i was just reflecting as we were worshiping. Uh, one of the things, one of the many things that we as a church are, uh, that the local church is, uh, is what we call a confessing community. Uh, that we come together to confess to God, to ourselves, and to others uh, about the goodness of the God that we serve. And one thing that I'm grateful for is the opportunity to do that in the midst of trial, in the midst of unknown, and in the midst of frustration. I can tell you that as we as a church and as we as a community have walked alongside the ground of our family this week, the last half of this week, it has been filled, both I'm sure from them and definitely from, from us, from myself, it has been filled with a sense of unknown, knowing what God can do. But not knowing what God will do. That's the tension that we often rest in in prayer. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that in prayer specifically next week. But resting in that tension here. And I'm grateful that even in the midst of that, we can come in this place that we can confess to God, to ourselves and one another, Um, to others that may be listening or hearing, who we have the opportunity to to reach out to, uh, that God is active. That he has the power that has overcome death. And and then because of things like the cross, because of the Holy Spirit speaking to us and being present with us, that we don't have to wait for the end of the story in order to be grateful for who God is. we don't have to wait for the end of the story to be hopeful for what God may do. We can rest in it, even not knowing what's going to happen, even in the midst of darkness, we can rest in our worship of God, in our confession that God is good because we know that our circumstances do not define the goodness of God, that God is good beyond all circumstances. Yes? Amen? So I'm just throwing that out there to start with. I'm glad we can rest in that this morning. Uh, just real quickly, uh, if you are uh, praying and praying right now where you're at, go real quickly, real quietly. Uh, that... Um, they're, they're working, continue, continuing to uh, work on a monitor for Jacoby, uh, hoping to do another CT scan this morning. I'm praying that uh, blood pressure and everything stays where it's supposed to so that they can get that done uh, and figure out where to go from there. So that's where they are as of just a few moments ago. Uh, so I'd ask that you continue to pray. And if you want to join us again, as Joe said earlier tonight, 7 o'clock back here uh, in this room, uh, we've invited the entire community to come and pray with us. Uh, we're just going to spend time in prayer, no more preaching, and we're and no anything like that, uh, we're just going to come together as a community, a confessing community, uh, and confess the hope that we have in Jesus in prayer to Him and to each other, uh, and to anybody else who wants to get it. Because again, that's the knot at 7 o'clock. So this morning, as we continue along in our series on prayer, we are looking through the lens of 1 Samuel chapter 3, verses 1 through 13. If you brought your Bibles with you, I would encourage you to go ahead and turn there. That scripture right there, the screen behind me. Uh, and if you didn't bring a Bible video, uh, you can you can look on the screen when we get to that point. Um, there's probably also a few Bibles somewhere in your vicinity uh, if you would like to look at one of those. So as I was going back and forth to the, the hospital uh, this week and, and yesterday in particular, uh, there's a, a worship collective. I guess you might call it that that I like to listen to. They call themselves The Gates. I uh, shared a song online a few days ago. uh about a new song that they released. They have a new album coming out soon. They kind of released the first single from that song talking about the, the, the hope that we have in God, that God is always present, and not to fear him. I was trying to listen to the lyrics to that song in the car. And I don't know about you, but maybe you can identify with this. This is how I operate. Anytime I want to listen to something, like intently, to get every morsel of what's in it, to hear every word, uh, without fail, almost, within my own life, whether it's a sermon, a speech, a song, or something else, uh, I will listen really well for uh, the first stanza. I'll listen really well for the first five minutes uh, for some kind of sermon or speech. I'll, I'll listen really well for a little bit, and then... I'll get a text on my phone and my watch will vibrate or somebody will be in traffic so somebody will cut me off or I'll get frustrated or, or even something more benign, something else just comes to my mind. Uh, reflecting over uh, the football game I watched earlier in the day. Reflecting over a uh, relationship uh, and, and news that I've, that I've had in my own life about this or that happening, family and friends. Uh, reflecting on... Stuff that really doesn't matter, stuff of entertaining value. a TV show that I watched the night before or where the Cowboys are going to be this year or something like that my mind's just going a thousand different directions. And all of a sudden I draw that to focus for one moment of clarity and I realize I, I miss like a verse. And so I push the back button on the radio, on the stereo and I try it again, no joke all the way to nearly down and JBS, Hospital was going back yesterday. i never quieted myself enough to listen to the entire five-minute song without losing my train of thought. And some of that had to do because my phone was blowing up. But I, I, I give that as a, as, a, as a confession of a different sort to you that sometimes it's hard to quiet myself. Maybe you cannot even quiet that. Certainly not. All of you, I'm sure, have a discipline of quieting oneself down extraordinarily well. But I don't anyway. It is hardest to listen for God in the moments that we need to listen for Him the most. I have found that to bear true in my life. That the moments when I need a word the most is the hardest moment for me to quiet myself. The hardest moment for me to push distraction away, push bad thoughts away, push negative or hopeless thoughts away. It is hardest for me to quiet my own mind and listen for the mind of God in those moments when I need to listen for the mind of God the most. Why do you think that is? If that's something you can identify with, why do you think that is? Now, we have the reality of a busy, chaotic, loud world in which we live that's always combating our desire and our need for silence and solitude in our world today. But also, there is just the reality that in those moments we have a heightened sense of Kind of a, a fight or flight reflex. And so our mind is, is going, 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 trying to make sense of all the information that we have available to us so that we can figure out what to do next or how to feel or, or whether we need to protect ourselves in this situation or whether we need to extend ourselves. And we're going all these different directions in our head. In other words, if I'm not making sense, that's on purpose because that's what our mind does. It just turns into this confusion, this, this thing that runs that we can't seem to stop. Like a motor out on the loose, but you know, I don't have any way to kill the, 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 the action, to bring the noise down. So this morning, to you, if you're in that situation, and to myself, most evidently, in that situation, I have a word that's a, whole lot, that's a whole lot more complex than it sounds, but I think a word that we can kind of base this sermon on, and that is this. Stop talking and pray. So we're going to focus on this morning. Stop talking and pray. Now, I know that seems counterintuitive. I know it seems upside down. Praying is talking, you might be thinking, but praying is so much more than talking. It's also listening. Probably the part of prayer that we leave out the most in our culture and in our context today. So let's stop talking and pray. That's what I hope that you hear this morning. A word from God about how we can quiet ourselves and listen to him this morning. So before we open our word, I'm going to pray out loud again. We're going to have an opportunity at the end of this sermon to pray quietly. So don't think that we're not going to do that. But right now, let's go to the Lord in prayer one last time vocally before we open His word again. Lord, we thank you for being here in our midst. For welcoming us into your spirit. And God, we thank you that no matter our circumstance, no matter our surroundings, that we can come before your throne and boldly proclaim that you are good, that you are loving, that you are powerful, and that nothing can stand between us and you. God, we thank you for that reality. God, we thank you for the centering aspects that worship has on our soul and the opportunity that you have given us to do that this morning. God, I pray that your word, as it is spoken, as it is delivered, would have the same impact on everyone gathered here, on everyone that hears these words. God that you would take over, that you would remove my fleshly influence, and God that you would remove distraction from us, and God that you would speak from your word through your spirit to each of us in such a way that it leaves us transformed. I ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. First Samuel chapter 3, verses 1 through 13. We're reading about the boy named Samuel who was in the temple in this town. Now the boy, Samuel, was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. At that time, Eli, whose eyes had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his own place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel, and he said, Here I am, And ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I I did not call. Lie down again. So he went and lay down. And the Lord called again, Samuel. And Samuel rose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not know the Lord, not yet know the Lord. And the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. And he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the Lord. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went lay right down in his place. And the Lord came and stood, calling out as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant hears. Then the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I am about to do a thing in Israel in which the two ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. On that day I will fulfill against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. And I declare to him that I am about to punish his house forever for the iniquity that he knew because the sons were blaspheming God and he did not restrain them. Samuel was special. Uh, we learned that very quickly. In this book, uh, we learned that by his birth narrative, his mother, and Hannah, who desperately wanted to bear a child and was unable to do so, essentially vows to God, that God, if you would give me a child I will dedicate him into your service, which is why he's there with Eli, the priest in the temple in the first place. Uh, we also see some foreshadowing of what god is going to do through samuel samuel serves in a lot of different roles but as one is kind of a prophet for god um, a leader of the people of israel for some time so we see god kind of setting up that role for samuel ultimately uh, because god works through samuel uh, god uses samuel to direct israel towards david and so in a way we kind of see god setting up the davidic kingship even now as he begins to speak Samuel. We hear in the scripture that God had been quiet, at least it seemed that way, that that visions, that words from the Lord were rare in those days, Uh, and so it seems like God is about to do something new and special through this, at the time, boy named Samuel. We also have, contextually, just so you know what's going on, why Eli has mentioned that, that when God finally does speak to Samuel, Eli's sons Let's just put it simply misbehave. You can go and read chapters 1 and 2, uh, figure out the, the depravity of them, uh, why God was upset with them in the first place, uh, and God had essentially in the last chapter cut them off. Uh, they were supposed to be priests, the people after them were supposed to be priests that were part of that lineage, uh, but God said no more, uh, sons of Eli are cut off, and that's also why we have this word of judgment spoken against Eli that ended the passage that we read. The priests were failing at their jobs, which is one of the reasons why God's voice had been so quiet as it did. And so we see in this story, this boy, Samuel, who was dedicated to the Lord by his mother, to serve in the temple, this boy Samuel, who would turn into the leader, Samuel, a prophet, kind of in a, in a priestly fashionologist sometimes, Samuel, who would lead the people into kind of the next generation of the leadership and pointing them on towards David, this man that would be used by God in good times and in difficult times. We see this man here at the temple at his boy stage, having not yet known the Lord, having not yet heard a voice from the Lord in God, comes to him in the middle of the night and calls out to him, Samuel. He doesn't know what this word is. He just hears it. And of course, he assumes what everybody else would assume in that situation. It must be the guy in the, the room. It must be Eli. Now, I don't know exactly what the voice sounded like, or even if it was an audible voice, or just something that Samuel heard in his head. But he heard his name fall, and so he got up, ran to Eli, and Eli said, You must be hearing me. He I didn't say anything. Go back. Go to bed. Samuel goes back goes to bed, again, a, a boy being obedient to his leader, goes back and goes to sleep, and again, he's woken up, uh, or at least interrupted in thought maybe when he hears his name called again. And again, he jumps up and he goes to Eli, he says, okay, you called me, here I am. Maybe he thought Eli was testing him at this point. I don't really know what's going on, but he says again, and Eli still doesn't get it. Samuel doesn't get it because he doesn't know any better. He's just a boy at this point, and Eli says again, no. I don't know what's going on, but I didn't call you. Go back and go to bed. Now, I often joke about parenthood with you, but parents, maybe you can identify with that sometimes, right? The whole life, just go back and go to sleep. You know, please, I don't know what the noise is. Everything is okay. All the doors are locked. Uh, I don't know what that noise. There's no such thing as monsters. Just uh, go back uh, and and go to sleep. Can we please just go back and go to sleep? Maybe that's what Eli is thinking as he sends Samuel back again. And then God comes the third time. Scripture loves the number three. Comes back the third time and says Samuel, Samuel. Samuel gets up, goes to Eli and says, "Hey, I can imagine he's probably getting a little frustrated. Even me, a uh, boy, and not knowing what's going on. Okay, Eli, are you testing me? That's what I would be thinking. Like, are we, are we doing something? Or are you trying to teach me something about priesthood? Uh, okay, I heard my name called. Here I am. Finally, Eli gets it." This priest of God, who is supposed to be a leader. He finally gets it. He says, okay, he perceives what's going on. That's is what my English standard version says. He perceives that something else is taking place. He says, okay, Samuel, here, here's what's going on. God must be calling you. So go back. Go back to sleep. Lay back down. And if you hear the voice again, simply submit and say, here I am. I'm listening. Samuel goes back and he hears that finally. Once again, the word from God, and He knows that it's from God. Real quickly, stop the retelling of the story. Three times God called, and Samuel misunderstood. One thing we can take from that first of all is that God speaks. Uh, that God is not quiet or uninvolved. Uh, that God leads. That God has a word for us, and, and, and we can have the the main word of God today delivered to us through Scripture. But I still believe that God speaks through His Holy Spirit to us today in accordance with Scripture and never against His perfect testimony of Scripture, but that God still speaks to us on an individual level. God speaks. Now Samuel was in a quiet place. It says that the lamp of the Lord had not yet gone out. It was a lamp that probably burned overnight and it would eventually go out Or right at the point of the middle of the night. Perhaps that the lamp was near to going out, but it hadn't yet. So it's this quiet time of the night. a quiet that we probably can't appreciate in our loud culture, there's no interstate traffic. Uh, there's no planes overhead. Uh, there's simply maybe the, the flickering of a candle uh, as you hear the wick burning down. Maybe that's all that you can hear. Maybe some, some natural noises like like the weather, some wind, or some animals outside, or Eli snoring in the other room. That's the only noises that we have when we have this quiet moment. So there's something about, about speaking to us quiet, quiet, Samuel misunderstands that the first three times and we know why the narrator tells us why that he did not yet have a relationship with the Lord. So this is ignorance on Samuel's part. We can't hold it against him, but it does speak truth to us. And that is that if our relationship with God is off. We can easily misunderstand his voice. We can easily misunderstand what he has to say if our relationship with God is not strong. I do believe that God speaks through his spirit, but we can definitely misunderstand his spirit if our relationship with him is not as strong as it ought to be. Eli does finally perceive what's going on. He leads Samuel to a correct understanding, Uh, explains to him how to respond, which Samuel does. Because sometimes we need help with our listening someone with more experience. As a man who, as a, as a pastor, in my tenure, I've almost always been one of the youngest people in the room, starting at age 20, and it's been an ego thing, a pride thing for me to realize that, that I need to ask for people with their opinion, people who have more experience than I do more often when it comes to the ways of God, when it comes to the workings of God. Now, here, here's something interesting about this passage when it comes to Samuel leaning on Eli. Eli is not a perfect person in this story. Eli has failed to lead his sons well. It's the reason why they were sinful like they were. It's the reason why they were cut off like they were. It's the reason why he gets the judgment that God delivers to Samuel, really delivering it to Eli through Samuel as you keep reading in context of what's going on. It's the reason why. is because Eli has failed to do his job. He's not perfect in this story. Yet, as far as Samuel is concerned, he is a leader and he is someone more experienced. And so even if someone isn't perfect, that's what I often fail when it comes to listening to others. Uh, if someone has a word for me, especially if it is a word of correction, a word of criticism, there is such a thing as positive criticism. I know we don't like that in our votes today, but there is such a thing. And say that I get some sort of positive criticism something, something that I need to change, or something that I need to be convicted over and actually address in my own life. When I get a word like that, my gut-flesh reaction is to say, well, I'm not listening to you because I've seen you sin in A, B, C, D what, ways. I know that you too are a failure, so why should I listen to you? That is my gut response. Maybe you can identify with that. It is that when someone criticizes us, our first reaction is to criticize them back, at least in our heads, if not actually vocally. But we probably won't know it publicly. we'll just do it to ourselves and discount any criticism that comes. But Eli, even though he's not perfect, Samuel is willing to listen to the direction that he has to offer. And so sometimes when it comes to hearing from God, when it comes to listening to God, when it comes to interpreting what God might be saying to us, where God might be leading us in our individual lives, we need to invite experience and wisdom from others, especially those who have been doing this longer than we have, into our lives, realizing that it is not perfect, but maybe it is something that if it goes from Scripture, that we need to listen to. And, you can add to that, if you are in the experienced or wise group, maybe you have some experience or wisdom that you need to share with another when it comes to hearing the voice of God. Samuel hears a difficult words from God. He doesn't, you read this story, if you take it out of context, if you put it in context, you understand why God goes where he does. But if you take it out of, this, out of context, you kind of read through the story and you can think, well, such a wonderful story, Samuel hearing from God. God's going to tell him something wonderful. And here we have the first time that God speaks to this young man. He tells him, okay, here's what's up. The, the man that you've been following all of your known life at this point, um, he's, lineage he lineage is cursed. And he's going to be judged because he failed to meet his sons the way that he was supposed to. And you need to pass that. That's the first word that Samuel gets. It's probably not the word that he wanted. Definitely not the word that he was expecting, but it was the word that he needed to hear. In prayer, God speaks what we need to hear, not what we want to hear. In prayer, if you always only hear what you want to hear, you're probably just listening to yourself. Let me say that one again. In prayer, if you always only hear what you want to hear, you're probably just listening to yourself. Yeah, God said that I was right in that decision. Uh, God said that I shouldn't be hard on myself. God said that I, that I shouldn't give to this person. If you hear those kinds of things all the time, you're probably just listening to your own head and not to God himself. So if you want to listen to God, you need to ask yourself a question. Are you prepared to hear truth? Even if it's difficult. And so again, my encouragement to you today is to stop talking and pray. Three ways to do that. To stop talking and pray. To quiet ourselves and hear from God the same way that young Samuel did. Number one, make quiet time quiet again. I know, that's a phrase, we like, it's a little line we like to use, quiet time, something that I've grown up with, it's probably been uh, part of the vernacular in the Baptist world, much longer than I've even been alive, you know, having a personal devotional time we usually think in the morning, but it's funny, not many of us are quiet during our quiet time, mm-hmm. if we are, it's when we're reading scripture, which don't stop doing that, mm-hmm. but I'm encouraging you to maybe actually make being silent, being quiet, a part of your quiet time. Schedule times of silence. If you going schedule and when it comes to devotion, schedule times of silence where you are sitting in the presence of the Lord. After you've read Scripture, maybe it's reflecting over a word that He gave you. Maybe it's reflecting over the events of the day. Maybe it's reflecting over a word that you've heard from someone else. But make quiet a part of your emotional life. Schedule listening sessions. Stop talking and pray. Involve others in your listening. The second thing that I want to encourage. Seek wisdom and experience. Pray with others. Listen to the prayers of others. I don't know that one thing we can often fall into when we're praying in a group is that instead of listening to someone else's prayer, we're thinking of what we need to pray when it gets around to us. Right? You know, squeeze hand and go to the next person in the circle. When you know that it's two or three people away from you you aren't thinking of your prayer, stop yourself and listen to what other people might be praying. Ask others what they're hearing from God and their devotion to Ask what God is leading them. What has jumped out from Scripture to them lately. How is God impacting their life? Involve others in your listening. And thirdly, we have to say this. Absolutely, without a doubt. Start with Scripture. God has already spoken. He said everything that needs to be said in Scripture. So we listen there first. Test all of the words that you think you're hearing against Scripture. Starting with Scripture is the only path to objectivity and listening. It's the only surefire insurance you have to make sure that you are not putting it in your own brain or that it's not coming from your own brain if you test every word against scripture to start and end with scripture when it comes to listening from God. So to make this even more practical, maybe one way that you can make this work for yourself, if you're a morning person, wake up five minutes earlier than you normally do tomorrow morning. And if you already have... Devotion built into your morning routine. Add five minutes to it. And have that five minutes just be listening. If you involve Scripture in your quiet time, I would encourage you to read the Scripture first so that you can spend that quiet time reflecting over what God has already said and His good and perfect Word. And then allow the Holy Spirit to apply that specifically to your life. That's one way that you can do that. If you're more of a night owl, after everyone else has gone to bed in the house, Maybe go to sleep five minutes later. Here's a real practical way that that can work. And I'm speaking to me just as much as I'm speaking to you on this one. Put your phone away. I know a lot of us kind of get in bed and we put the phone and we have the blue light in the face. And we just kind of zone out for 10, 15, 20, 80 minutes doing that before we finally go to sleep. What I would encourage you to do is is put that away. I'm encouraging myself to hold myself accountable on this one. To put that away and then just be silent. Again, maybe start with Scripture first. Or start with a, a word out of Scripture from someone else that you're reflecting on. Maybe if you don't feel like you're a night person or a morning person, uh, maybe you have a lot to deal with every morning. You not a lot to deal with, I mean, other human beings that are waking up and that are needing to be put to sleep. Um, put to bed. Put to sleep sounds bad, doesn't it? You know what I mean? Put to bed. Then, if that's you, maybe, maybe it's somewhere during the day. Maybe it's during that time. Maybe it's during lunch. You have the times available to you. I know we're busy in our schedules today, but you have the times available to you to cut out just five minutes somewhere in your day and add that as just a time to listen, to stop talking, and pray. It would be incredibly foolish, critical, et cetera, et cetera of me in this moment. To keep talking and not to actually give us a chance to put into action what we're talking about. So I'm going to invite Joel. Joel is going to uh, lead us an invitation uh, song here in just a moment. Uh, but before that, I'm going to play softly um, to make it, uh, to give you an opportunity to, for me to stop talking and for us all to pray. Just a few minutes for you right where you are. Get over the awkwardness of the silence. That's why we got the music in the background. Get over the awkwardness of the silence, and right here where you are, maybe it's, it's it's next to someone else being in silence with a, with a partner, maybe it's on your own by yourself. Let's stop talking and listen to what God might have to say concerning your life right now, concerning this word from 1 Samuel. Concerning something that you are not even ready for. Allow yourself to hear from God in this moment.